This is the Fit Roots Podcast, and I'm your host, Aidan Lee. We are focused on teaching you the best of philosophy, martial arts, health, well-being, and business. Our mission is to build modern warriors who enhance their lives through continual physical and mental evolution, and then bestow that gift onto the next generation. Today, we've got Kevin Appleby joining us. Growing a successful business is a big challenge. The challenge can overwhelm you at times. Moving your business to the next level can be frustrating and incredibly lonely. If you've just read this and thought, yes, that's me, then Kevin is pleased to meet you and he can help. He works with company directors and business owners who feel overwhelmed with all there is to do in their businesses and need support from a trusted business advisor. He helps you identify your top priorities to put plans and strategies in place so that you can move forward. He's an experienced business consultant, mentor, and coach. He's worked with top blue chip companies and family businesses. He's also a chartered accountant, so he brings a wide portfolio of business skills and can use his understanding of the numbers behind the business to become your finance business partner. He gives solid, evidence-based advice. Kevin knows what it feels like. He's worked in leadership roles in corporate organizations and knows all the challenges that this brings. He has also been involved in a number of family businesses. He knows what it means to have the sleepless nights and has woken up feeling stressed about cash, not knowing if there's enough money to make payroll or pay the rent. He is worried about how to generate more sales and how to hit the targets that take the business to the next level. Kevin, it's great to have you here today and to share with people your bio and your experience. But to start off the show, what I would love to hear from you, Kevin, is a little bit about your background and almost what brought you here to where you are today. Well, what brought me here to where we are today, Aidan? I guess we've got to go back two years. Um, some people might know that I'm also a podcast host on the Next 100 Days podcast. And it must be over two years ago, Aidan, because we published episode 124 last week, but you were our guest on episode 13, yeah. way, way back when my podcast host, Graham Arrowsmith and myself, were only just really learning the ropes of how to do a podcast. And this young lad called Aidan Lee had only just started this business called Fitroot. So we were, we were all down in that, that green shoots area of just trying to figure out what it was we were doing. Yeah. So we're suddenly catching up, Aidan, after two years. I know. It's, it's crazy. And it's good to be here. And it's, as you said, it's come full circle. You know, now I'm having you on. It's, it's quite surreal. I didn't think I'd start one uh, this soon, but um, yeah, we all started off in the early days and, and here we are. So it's really nice to be able to have you on because I know you've got a lot of value you're going to bring to everyone today. Yeah. So um, I'm probably in an age group that's not typical of, of Aidan's standard audience, being a, a guy from up north in my 50s. But uh, what I am bringing is probably a career full of, of knowledge and experience. Um, background, I'm a chartered accountant but I've done very little actually working as a chartered accountant in practice. As soon as I qualified, I ran away and got a job in industry. And having become a, a European business accountant, I jumped, jumped ship and then went management consulting. So I've managed, management consulted for blue chip companies, uh, public sector clients, and lots of people like that. But more recently, I've been focusing on smaller businesses, trying to apply all that knowledge that I've got from working with, with big companies into, well, how does this apply to the, the smaller guy? 
How can I help those, those SMEs, those the companies that have got up to 250 employees who really, quite honestly, can't afford a management consultant? How can I actually turn some of this knowledge and really help those guys? Um, so on the back of that, I'm running my own consulting coaching business and also running the Next 100 Days podcast, where we talk about things that guys in, in that particular group, SMEs, can do in the next 100 days to improve their business. Awesome. So, yeah, as you said, Kevin, like, it doesn't have to be the fact that you don't fit uh, exactly my target audience 100%, but what you do bring is that level of experience that 30-plus years in various industries is unparalleled. So I'm looking forward to picking a little bit more out of that from you today. But with all of your experience in mind, and I guess also what you're focusing on now, Kevin, what is it that you want one key concept, if you had one, for people to take away when they're listening to the show today? The key thing, if you want to move your business forward, it's about what can you do? I'll come back to the, that key phrase, the next hundred days. What can you do in the next hundred days to make a significant change to your business? What can you do not just to get yourself fit, which I know Aiden's podcast concentrates on quite a lot. What can you do to get your business fit? Nice. And I like that parallel as well, because I truly believe as well that if you're, if you're not fit uh, in your health and well-being, your business is not fit and vice versa, and they really are together. But with that in mind, Kevin, why 100 days? Why not 50? Why not 300? Why not one year? Why 100? Well, I come out of a, a project background and for lots and lots of years, done consulting projects and the typical length of a project is about three months. Or if you've got a bigger project, it'll typically break down into three-month chunks. And I'm part of a, a fairly big project that's ongoing at the moment. And we've just finished a phase that started at the end of January, finished at the end of April. And we're about to kick off the next phase. So yeah, it tends to break down. And the, the reason for that is that if you want to make a change, you need to give yourself enough time to do the big things that need to take place. But you've also got to be careful that as you go across that 90, 100 days, the law of diminishing returns kicks in. You can't just keep doing the same things and the same things and hope to keep getting the same change effect coming out of it. You've got to then, there's a point that comes along that says you've got to sit down, review what you've done. Has it worked? Hasn't it worked? Now let's replan for the next 90, 100 days. But as we talk about 100 days, it's actually five days to plan, 90 days to execute, five days to review. So it fits a nice window. And you might say, well, hang on, Kevin, why is it 90 days? A lot of people think in quarters, think in four quarters and 90 days. Well, actually, this doesn't fit the calendar. It's saying it's today. And we're sitting here, Aiden, on the 11th of June recording this. I know it's going to be a couple of weeks' time when you guys in the audience hear this. But if you want to change your business in the next 100 days, you don't have to wait for the start of the next quarter. You can sit down tomorrow and you can start that five days of planning and then execute. It's about what can I do in the next 100 days to change my business? 
Yeah, and you look at the present, as you say, rather than waiting for something to come forward. And I think it's quite an interesting way of looking at things because, as you say, there are too many times where people are a bit unrealistic and don't set proper goals. And they think, oh, either I'll do it in six months or it'll take me six months, sorry, or I'll do it in six weeks. But in reality, depending on the goal, either it's not big enough if it's just six weeks or it's too uh, elongated and you lose focus and direction with it. So uh, I also have a similar thing as well with the guys I work with one-to-one. They all have to commit to three months. And yeah. we find that 90 days, three months is not so far in the future that they can't see their goals and see themselves mm-hmm. visually achieving them, but not so near that it seems unrealistic. Yeah. I tend to think of the next 100 days is your plan. And you should have a plan on the page. If you're talking the next year, I tend to think of that as your business strategy. Mm. If you're talking three or five years out, I just look at that as a vision. Yes. And an awful lot of people think of a business plan. You take your plan away to an investor or so on. You've got to talk about the next three years, the next five years. If you're just working on your business to get it to where you want it to be, if you're looking at anything longer than the next three months in practice, I think you, you've got the wrong outlook. Interesting. Why, why would it be wrong? For the points you've covered or anything else new? Well, Firstly, Aidan, there's the point I've covered that says 90 days is the right sort of length of time to work on something and make a big change. But there's also the concept that you should only work on one thing at once. There's a start, an action, and a finish and review. And an awful lot of businesses will have lots and lots of projects going on at once. If you're working by yourself, if it's your own business, and you've got two or three projects going on, chances are you never really get to the end of any of them. And if you never really get to the end of them, what was the point of doing them in the first place? So it's one thing in 100 days, plan it, do it, review it, and finish it. So you've actually made a difference. Yeah. I'm with you. I think we're all guilty of sticking our fingers in too many pies and not really committing to one thing or another and therefore producing half-baked results in all of them rather than just going all in on one and really seeing your your effort come to fruition. There's also some science behind it, Aidan. Bear in mind that as well as doing this one thing that's going to change your business, you're working in your business all the time. So you're you're in there. You're you're in the, the... the deep end, you're serving your customers and doing whatever it is you do. So you're not just doing one thing by definition, you're doing at least two. Only one of them is the working on your business to make it different. Now, the research actually happened in the, in the world of computer programming. And the research took a group of computer programmers and you gave them one task to do. And you saw how much of their time they were actually productive. One task, they were pretty much 100% productive. Give them two tasks to do, and they're switching between the tasks. Are they 50% productive on each task, making 100 in total? No, they're not. They're 40% productive on each task because they're going to lose the 10% in switching time. Wow. You, get, you get into the flow with something. You're doing it. Your ideas are there. And yes, it's moving. You drop it, you do something else, or you've got to get your brain into gear, pick up the speed, develop the momentum, then you stop that. You go back to the first one. Well, you're not going to go back to the first one 
in the state of mind when you left it last. You've got to get yourself back up to speed again, okay? So bear in mind that you're running your business as well as working on it. So you're never going to have the luxury of just working on the change project. Yeah. So straight away, you're in that rule that says, I've got wasted time getting myself up to speed and so on. Now, you try to do two projects. You become even less productive because you're going to lose even more time in swapping. And they said, well, hang on. No, computer programmer, give him three tasks. It's not 33% on each. It's actually 20% on each. So we've gone from 100% productive with one task to 60% productive in total when he's doing three. Jesus. And so on. That's massive. Yeah, that's so powerful. Massive. Yeah, I've, I've experienced this myself, but also um, I didn't tell you actually before we started, but I've hired my first uh, staff member recently. And it's a massive learning curve, even not just managing my own time in my own projects, yeah. how I work on things, but then now someone else, especially for the first time. But you, it really makes you think because you have to force yourself to say, actually, all these other things are just distractions. So I've just, it, now, you know, what I do is I turn all the other things off or I don't look at them before I'd be you know, bouncing from emails, this and that. And the productivity is just there. Yeah. But it's these habits right. that develop and um, it's sometimes hard to get out of them or to see the bigger picture like you're trying to show us now. Yeah. Actually, that first staff member is probably the toughest staffing decision you'll ever make in a business. It's that, oh, hang on, I've got to pay somebody else to start off with. Where's the money coming from to pay that person? Then there's the, what am I going to give that person to do? Look, I need to be in control of everything myself. But then there's got to be a realization that says there are certain things that are your strength, that you do best because you're doing everything else in the business. You're not maximizing your own strengths. Yes. And there's, a, there's always a very difficult argument between can I afford this person and can I afford not to employ this person? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and whichever way you look at it, you know, you can pull out reasons one way or another, but I guess, you know, if you really want to grow, you, you need help. You can't do it yeah, all ourselves, right? you do. Yeah. You do. Awesome. So with, obviously, we're looking at 100 days now, Kevin, saying, okay, focus on one thing, but how do we decide what that one thing is? So what do we do within those 100 days? Okay, well, the first thing comes back to that decision around your member of staff that we've just talked about. One of the first things you've got to do is say, well, hang on, what shouldn't I be doing? Because whatever I'm going to do in the next 100 days, I've got to make space to do it. The things I've been doing up to now aren't just going to go away. So how do I fit this extra stuff in? So I've got to lose stuff to do that. So I've got to, I've got to have a very, very good idea of what it is that I'm stepping away from in order to do something else. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's powerful because okay. I think it's uh, more of a process of elimination rather than adding things. You know, you can get yes. into the temptation of saying, oh, I've got an extra pair of hands. What else can I do now? Rather than saying, yeah. what can they do that I shouldn't be doing? Yeah. Yeah. And okay, you might not have that member of staff, but think about what can I automate? What can I get a virtual assistant to do? What can I outsource to a, a web designer, a freelancer, whatever? Think about all of those jobs that you can potentially set off somewhere else. In fact, if I'm, if I'm working with a coaching client, one of the things that we'll actually do in the first 90, 100 days of the relationship is we'll, we'll work through not necessarily doing the things that are going to really grow the business, but thinking about 
what are the core basics that we've got to get right? What are the constraints around you at the moment? Which constraints are really going to cause a problem? If we're targeting and doubling this business, which quite a lot of people that I work with, that'll be their goal. I'll say to them, okay, so we've just doubled the business. Right? So you've got twice as many sales as you've got now. You've got to manufacture twice as much product as you've got now. You've got to do twice as much marketing as you're doing now. Right? What's going to fall over first? <laughs> Something's going to give, yeah. Right. So and there's, there's one client that we talked that one through with, and he was manufacturing stuff. He had a very nice shed at the bottom of his garden that he was, he was making things in. And we hit that the first problem was, okay, if we're going to double this business, going to have to have more people involved in terms of, well, you can't design product, run the machines, package the, package the product, dispatch the product, handle the phone calls and all the rest of it at the same time. So, okay, you're going to have to have more people. So decision one before we did anything else was to say, well, actually, haven't got enough space. If you hire people, where are you going to put them? So job one wasn't, let's increase some marketing, let's do some extra stuff. It's, let's build a second garden shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to look at it. I love it. Yeah, so, so the, the first 100-day first project actually became, how are we going to do this? What's it going to look like? What are we trying to achieve out of this? And it literally was design it, build it, and get it working. First 100 yeah. days. Yeah. yeah. So a proper strategy, a proper plan, not just a, yeah. sometimes you go into something, you think, oh yeah, I've made more sales, I need more people. Hold on, just take a step back. You're saying, yes. let's do something properly first. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And with that in mind then, if you, know, you covered, I think, uh, Kevin, really what is in summary a great maxim of working on your business rather than in your business. Now, what else do we as business owners or people like us who are aspiring to be business owners need to be really clear on? Okay, you need to be really clear on what your strengths are, right? What do you bring into the business? And I'm looking up at the bookshelf to see if I can spot it, Aidan, and I will. I'll pull it down. There's this little book, Strength Finder 2.0. If I'm working with somebody, that's the first thing that I send them in the direction of. Oh. And... You can buy the book on Amazon or wherever. It's only 10 or 15 quid. And what you get with the book is a little code. You go online, you key the code into a website, and it asks you 40 or 50 questions. And it's the, question, the questions are all, in this situation, would you do X or Y, or are you more like this, more like that? Mm-hmm. And it takes the, the results of those 50 questions and it works out your five top strengths. Ah. Then where this book comes in is for each of, it identifies in total 34 strengths of which it's only given you five as being your personal ones. In the book, there's a section on each of the 34 strengths. And it gives you strategies to use for each of them. Wow. Okay. 
Are they effective? Are they really good? They are effective, yes. You'll suddenly say, yep, that definitely feels like me. You'll read the book and it'll say, you you may think about doing X, Y, and Z to maximize the strength. So straight away, that tells you the things that you should be doing. Nice. Okay. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to definitely read that because I know you mentioned it. Well, well worth a look. We actually did a whole podcast episode. It wasn't the first one. It was the first one like you. We, we start, Graham and I started talking about what's the podcast all about. Mm. But we love Strengths Finder. So our episode two was actually all about Strengths Finder. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. Now it's time to get the author on. Eh? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Tom Rath. I've actually, as a consequence of tweeting about it and so on, I've talked talk, the. Uh, it's put together by the Gallup organization. So I've ended up talking over the last couple of years to a lot of people in Gallup as a result of doing that exercise. There you go. Just love it. So I think that's a great tip to go on, guys, is anyone listening, is to really yeah. focus on what you can double down on your strengths and, you know, if you need to outsource things that you're not yeah. really great at. Go yeah. Good way of working out what you should be outsourcing as well. Think about what, you've, what you would do in a typical week. Take a piece of paper and divide it up into four, four squares, right? In the first square is the stuff that you are absolutely no good at and you really hate doing, okay? Next square, well, you don't necessarily hate doing it, but you're not actually very good at it, right? Third square, you're quite good at it, but the business owner really shouldn't be doing it. Final square, the stuff you love doing. Nice. So if you do that for a week or a fortnight, you'll get stuff in each of those squares. Start off with that very first square, the stuff you're no good at and you hate doing. There's your clue as to what you need to get rid of. (laughs) I think I've heard a similar system before, but it's so simple, but it, it really works, doesn't it? Yeah, it works. Very, very simple. Nice. So, yeah, if you're listening, I guess as we're talking, yes, a lot about business, but this could be personal as well. Oh, yeah, personal as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you hate doing it and you're no good at it, well, unless you've got a real desire to become the world expert in that, if you hate doing it, probably not a very good idea to become the world expert. But if you don't hate doing it, but you're still no good at it. It may be a situation you're going to persevere and practice, practice, practice till you get the hang of it. But if it's not that, why are you doing it at all? <laughs> yeah, huh? exactly. Mm. Okay. You no, hate I love mowing that. the lawn. Get a gardener. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, there are so many things like now I, I look at, especially since being in business, and I'm just like, I'm not ever doing that again. It could be for me, as simple things like yeah, cutting grass and uh, yeah even cooking or whatever it might be it's not that i don't enjoy cooking i do but it's just mm, is that a good use of my time right now no yeah. not really. but as well be careful and we we actually interviewed on on last week's podcast we interviewed a guy who was um who'd been a vp in the disney corporation for 25 years and we were talking about innovation and creativity mm. and he gave us both graham and i a challenge while we we're on air recording to say what do you do when you what what are you doing when you get your best ideas? And I said instantly, walking the dog. Okay? So in getting rid of those apparently mundane things, be careful. Mm. Because one thing that we made absolutely clear, because he's done asked that question to lots and lots and lots of people, 
nobody, absolutely nobody gave the answer, when am I most creative at work? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You are most creative when you're having a shower, walking the dog, cooking a meal. That's when you get your best ideas. Maybe walking around the garden, aimlessly mowing the lawn. You get your best ideas. So just be careful what it is that you might get rid of. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And as long as that thing you're keeping because it keeps you creative is something you still enjoy, like it could be cooking for some people. For me, it's training and whatever it might be. Going on a run, uh, doing martial arts or whatever those ideas come uh, but yeah. I guess you've got to find what that is for yourself right exactly yeah wonderful tip and I'm going to go listen to that podcast because having the VP or former VP of Disney that sounds really great so I'll yeah check that. I think he's I mean, we were talking before about who's our who's our star guest so far who's the big name that we've managed to get and I think it's taken us a uh, 124 episodes to get to the level of interviewing a VP from Disney wow <laughs> you got there in the end eh? got there in the end yes yeah, love it so kevin with everything you're working on at the moment and i know you want to make some sort of transitions it'll be good to hear and especially with your methodology of weight and your way of achieving goals what your goals are for the next one three and maybe five years but it could be both business and or personal yeah i i suppose it comes down to i filled in your questionnaire before we came on air and uh, you were talking about telling a story and i suppose there was Recently, there was one event, and I've been doing a consulting project, as I mentioned. Uh, It was out of the UK. It was in Saudi Arabia. And it was that realization that arrived on Good Friday morning. Um, Just had a fairly hectic two weeks out in Saudi Arabia. Was looking forward to getting home for Easter weekend and then actually working at home for the, the following week. And the flight back to the UK from, from Riyadh takes off at one o'clock in the morning. So there I was in, in Riyadh airport waiting for the flight and one o'clock came and went. One thirty came along and actually the, the pilot comes up and comes to the gate and stands up with a loud halo and says, sorry guys, we've got a problem here. We can't fuel the aircraft. Oh, there's a second way of fueling a 747 but it takes a couple of hours. Don't worry, we've got the guys doing it already. We'll come back to you at three o'clock. So three o'clock comes and goes, still haven't boarded the plane. It's about 3.30. Pilot and all the cabin crew come back out and it's, uh, sorry, manual fueling of the planes failed. We're gonna have to cancel the flight. So 3.30 in the morning, I discover that the once a day British Airways flight back to the UK isn't gonna fly. So. I managed to fix an alternative way of getting home, but it meant traveling all of Good Friday to do it. Oh. And I ended up sitting in, in Riyadh Airport till about 11 o'clock that Good Friday morning, waiting for the first flight off to Istanbul. And it was that realization, Aiden, that came, what am I doing this for? I've been flat out working on this project. I'm now stuck here. I can't get home. I've had no sleep for 24 hours life's too short and I think yes we've been doing the next 100 days podcast for a couple of years and yes I've been doing bits and pieces of business coaching as well as the consulting projects and that's the realization to me that said no these big projects have got to stop life is too short so the focus right now for me is to say well Let's take this podcast, 125 episodes in. 
we've never monetized it. Well, what do we actually need to do to make some money off the back of 125 shows? What do I need to do to go from working with two or three coaching clients to working with 10 or 20 coaching clients? And there's always been a dilemma on that one, Aidan, that said, well, hang on, if I'm doing big consulting projects, well, I can't handle more than one or two coaching clients. Oh, if I take on coaching client three and four, well, what happens if somebody comes along and asks me to do a three-month project somewhere? I can't. Therefore, I've not gone out of my way to get those extra two or three clients. And you get to that point that you go say, well, yeah, fine rationale, fine rationale, Kevin, but no, it's time to do something different. So I've actually been back home for the last six weeks from that project. It was only supposed to be a two-week break. First two weeks were very definitely spent unwinding because I got to a bit of a situation of burnout. But the last three or four have been now sitting down and thinking, what's next? Where have I got to take this? If there's a 100-day project coming up, what does it look like? What am I actually doing? There's been a bit of soul searching to say, well, what direction do I want to go in? I could, I could coach in two or three different directions. Which one am I going to major on? Love it. I think that the initial product, the initial product that's going to go on sale is starting to come together in my own mind. And I might be more about that at a later date. Yeah, and no, I look forward to hearing about it. And I think, yeah, with where you are at the moment, as you said, it's very cliche, but life is too short. And uh, yeah, you have to really figure out is that what you, lo- you love to do and want to do. If it is, then so be it. But the fact that you had that realization in a story like that really solidifies that moment for you to really make some change. Uh, and actually maybe finally uh, move forward. But it's a lot of work what you've done with the podcast and a few other things and also your uh, coaching clients, stuff like that. And if you can bring that in for yourself, I really see uh, just from personal experience, but one, how you're talking here today as well, that you would probably achieve more fulfillment out of that in the long run. Absolutely. And it's, it is about fulfillment. It's doing what you want to do to make a difference. And actually, one of the key things to ask is, what do I do in order to deliver benefit to other people? Yeah, because ultimately, you know, you can make all the money you want, but if you're not creating impact, it does become, I find this as well, you know, shifted that focus from not just money, yeah. we need it, but the impact is so much more important. The money will come, it's just a byproduct. Yeah. Uh, but if we change people's lives, if you change a billion people's lives and, and likewise, you'd be a billionaire, no doubt. That's it. You need one pound from a billion people if you change a billion people's lives. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't think I could handle a billion all at once, though. Right? Oh, not at the moment, mate. We need, we need a whole team. <laughs> one day. One day. Yeah. Especially as the population is growing as well, so even harder. Yeah. But with that in mind, Kevin, we're talking about obviously your achievements, success, and what you want to do going forwards. Could you share with us a few personal habits and or daily routines that contribute to your success? Okay. Um, I think just given, given the nature of, of your audience, just thinking about routine that really makes a difference and helps health-wise. Um, number one is about getting into the zone and getting stuff done. And I've found one of the most useful things is something called the Pomodoro Technique. You can go away and look it up. Pomodoro is all about a guy who invented this and used a timer to make it work. And the timer was in the shape of an Italian tomato, hence Pomodoro. The idea is that 
you, you, you're sitting down at your desk and you're saying, what is the single most important thing that I can do in the next 25 minutes? You set the timer and you do it. And during that, during that 25 minutes, you don't allow yourself any interruptions. No phone, no Facebook, no Twitter, no LinkedIn. You, if you're sitting in the middle of an office, you ignore, as far as you can, anybody coming up to you and asking you stuff. And yeah, have a piece of paper at one side. And if anything's coming into your mind or you're getting distracted, just you know, quickly write it down on a bit of paper and you get back to it at the end of the 25 minutes. Work for that 25 minutes and you'll find that it's incredibly productive. Then take a break for five minutes. Ask yourself the same question again. What's the most important thing I can do in the next 25 minutes? It may be that you've got to go sort out some of those things that hit you in the last that you wrote down your piece of paper, but hopefully it's, I can get on with something else. You do two or three of those and you reward yourself with a decent break. What you find is you can be as productive in those 25 minute slots as you perhaps are now in a complete hour. So if you think of a 40 hour work week, 40, 25 minute sessions can be just as productive. Yeah. And that's, that's astonishing considering. And, uh, you know, I've tried this technique myself, actually. And when I have, it's been great. So I need to come back to it. And this hope actually yeah. gave me inspiration to do so. But it's what is also as astonishing is the fact that, as you say, if people are working the normal nine to five, 40 hour work weeks, we, everyone knows you're n- not that productive. You're not working. You're not. You're not. And you could work less than half of that time and be just as productive. <laughs> Yeah, the average employee simply invents stuff to make himself look busy (laughs) while he's at work Mm. and fill in the 40 hours. How much of that 40 hours is actually productive, actually worth? Well, I'd argue it's probably about 20%. It's the old um, 80-20 rule. But the other thing that came out of that Pomodoro technique, uh, many, many years ago, and I was... My daughter was tiny at the time. She's going to turn 28 next month. Um, So 27 years ago, I was involved in a car accident. Stationary in a set of traffic lights and a pickup truck plowed into the back of me at about 40 miles an hour. And I suffered a neck injury. I was back in the days before you you thought about going off and suing somebody or or whatever. So what did I do? The car was just drivable it happened around the corner from home so i managed to get the car home uh, got the other car out the garage and i drove to work and got on with the day didn't go to hospital or anything you know? as a result of that 28 years on i still have neck problems and i do get regular physio for it every every six weeks or so and i was talking to the physio about this and he says, well, Kevin, one of, the, one of your biggest problems is you, you sit at a desk all day or you're driving a car and you're constantly bending over, shoulders forward, whether it's working at a keyboard, holding a steering wheel, whatever. You've got to make sure you get regular breaks, you get up, you stretch things and you walk around. And she also, during one particular physio session, says, you realize you're dehydrated, don't you? No, never thought about that. So, right, I'll give you a technique here. Look. You tell me about this Pomodoro thing that you use. Well, here's what you're going to do now, Kevin, just to make a habit work. Every time you sit down 
for your 25 minutes, make sure there's a pint glass of water on the desk in front of you and drink. Right? Okay. As a byproduct of drinking that glass of water, what goes in has to get out. So you will find that you'll be needing to get up from your desk a lot more than you are at the moment and go to the loo and so on. Right. When you've gone to the loo, take the opportunity of using the wall and doing against the wall half a dozen push-ups each time you go. That'll have the effect of loosening your shoulders off. So let's see, we've got you doing your Pomodoro the way you would normally do and being productive. We've got you getting up from your desk and walking around. We've sorted your dehydration problem and we've also done something to loosen your shoulders off. Not bad. <laughs> How's that for a tip, Aiden? <laughs> yeah, it's not bad at all. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, pretty good. And uh, maybe after that, actually, I'll, I'll be able to help you a bit more with the uh, the neck and the, the shoulder pain yeah. and stuff. But um, that's a great, great allegory. The interesting one there is think about triggers. If you want new habits, think about the triggers. First trigger, put the glass of water down. Then you will drink it. It's easy enough. You're sitting down for 25 minutes. Make sure the glass of water is there. Yeah. Right. You're getting up, you're going to the loo, do the push-ups. Yeah. Second trigger. Mm-hmm. And it forces you... The triggers there, those habits drop into place very easily. Yeah, exactly. Because you're in that environment, it forces you to be in, even if it's not necessarily a, a spatial, temporal or physical environment, it forces you to be in a different mental environment, which then, as yeah. you say, that's right. the trigger to take a different action and or thought. So... That's brilliant, Kevin. Thank you so much. I love that story because the Pomodoro technique, it's, it's um, something which some say oh, doesn't work for me, but even myself, when I haven't really, it doesn't work for me, it's because I haven't done it consistently enough. So yeah. um, when I did a lot of the time, Aiden, it doesn't work for me either, but then I suddenly yeah. find, hang on, I've been trying to do stuff today. I've been floating. I've not got into anything. Mm. And now I realize, well, actually, no, I'm now going to set an alarm for 25 minutes and I'm going to do the most important thing and ignore all this niff naff and trivia that I've been fiddling about with and wasting time on. Yeah. And you don't have to do it consistent. Just suddenly switching into it can make a difference. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And just, just go for it if you can. And if it yeah. helps you, then let's do it. So mm. moving on, Kevin, what has been your best success to date and why? Um, that's a difficult one. It's a very difficult one. I think just getting to the point of, of working for blue chip companies and getting to the point of being a, a management consultant with one of the big four. I think that's probably best achievement. Um, I know it's very vague and very woolly, but it's, it's the opportunity to work with those sorts of people, those sorts of clients. And it's been very, very rewarding, both financially and intellectually. Yeah, yeah, good. And now, you know, you've got that demand and as you say, you can um, you can force people to, not force, but, you know, invite people to really consult your expertise and now you're in a way where you actually you can use that on yourself. So yeah, I'm that's right. To, I think in many ways, just the start for you. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with. Uh, yeah. For, and are the problems in those big companies really any different to the problems in those small companies? No. They're just on a different scale. They're, they're only more complicated because there's more people involved. Yeah, exactly. So if you can do it there, you know you can definitely yeah. do it here. Yeah, wonderful. Cool. Yeah. So, Kevin, just tell us about what the topic is you're 
currently working on or you know something that's important to you and others as well so those listening to it as well what can they take from it um well i said what what am i working on at the moment it's it's thinking about that product that might help monetize our next 100 days and i'm actually working Aiden, I wasn't going to, I said at the beginning, I wasn't going to mention this in the podcast, but <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> actually working on the, the concept that says double your profits in the next 100 days. Um, if you break down a typical business, there are probably seven areas you can work in. You can work on your conversions, you can work on your sales, you can work on increasing your order values, you can work on cutting your costs. There are about seven different things. And if you look at 100 days, well, 100 days actually breaks down to 14 weeks. So if you've got seven levers in 14 weeks, supposing you took each of those levers and saying, what can I do in the next two weeks with this particular lever, like uh, increasing my conversion rate? How can I increase, what can I do in the next two weeks to increase my conversion rate by 10%? Okay. If you then move on to the next lever in the following two weeks, it says, okay, what can I do in the next two weeks that will help me increase my order value, average order value, by 10%? Ah, you might then think about, well, what can I do in the next um, two weeks to, to bring back customers that I haven't seen for a while? And then if you think about over each two weeks, two-week period, you're doing a little thing that you might hope might make a 10% difference. Well, seven things, each 10%, compound that. Well, double your profits isn't too big an ask. Okay, you might do all the things you need to do to double your profits in the 100-day period. You might not actually get the doubling effect taking place yet, but you've put all the things in place to make it happen. And I'm thinking about that. Is, is that double your profits in the next 100 days, is that a product that'll go on the back of the podcast? So I'm at the stage at the moment, there's no product there yet. There might be in the future. I'm just thinking about, is that viable? What would I need to put in place? How would it work? Yeah. So that's, that, that, that's my current challenge. And one I think you will conquer eventually with especially with that format that you're looking to implement. I know you said, ironically, you wouldn't mention it, but we have, but it's, it's, you haven't uh, implemented yet, but it's fine. It's more the concept, which is still interesting. Because yes. as you say, uh, just as you may not achieve that doubling effect, similarly, you may actually get more than double. Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah Until you knows? try it. Who knows? How, how will you ever find yeah. out? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. 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 And it's just doing something systematically and yeah. thinking about all the areas of your business that you could make just a little bit better than they are at the moment. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to try those things as well. So I'm, let's, I want to stay in contact and we'll see how we, each of us are getting on because I'd love to try those things. Well, you know what, Aidan, when I, when I actually get a, something together that's, that's potentially to go to market, I'm, I'm not going to fully market it. I'm not going to take it there immediately. The first 100-day group, I wanted a bunch of guinea pigs to test it out. So I'd oh, love yeah. to have you as one of those guinea pigs, Aidan. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm in. I'll do it. <laughs> and then we can report back to everyone else. How exactly. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Brilliant. So in recent times, Kevin, what development in either your ex- area of expertise or in the health, well-being, uh, philosophy, martial arts or business world has or does excite you the most? 
Um, what am I getting excited about at the moment? Uh, I guess there's two things. And I've got a, a coaching client at the moment who is very much into the manufacturers and in manufacturers using laser cutting and more recently 3D printing. And he's doing some fantastic things in the 3D world that really wouldn't be possible for a small business in the past, would have been down to big corporate entities. And I'm just getting so excited about that change and what that means. And we're in the stuff that we're doing together, we're just dabbling on the edge at the moment. But there's so much to look at. I think the, the second thing that I'm getting really excited about at the moment is I'm using LinkedIn right now to promote our own podcast and finding out lots of things about LinkedIn and how it's changed since the early days and actually finding as a social media platform that two years ago I wrote off and said had no future, I'm actually finding right now it's quite interesting. So I'm, I'm enjoying experimenting with that right now. Yeah, no, those are wonderful things. And your first uh, story about the client and also LinkedIn, um, more so on the second one, I'm finding that, yeah, LinkedIn is is really a, a game changer and one of the, probably, especially for what we do, probably the best yeah. platform yeah. Um, in terms of social media that we can really utilize. It's super effective. So look yeah. forward to seeing your results. So that's cool. So let's move on, Kevin. I just want to, um, just conscious of time for one. So we're just going to wrap up on a few questions. Okay. Um, Give us your concise thoughts on these ones and then we'll sort of keep them relatively mm. short. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on the health industry. So what do you think about it, the state of it, and either good or bad, what can it do better? Mm, gut feeling is it's overcrowded. Um, I know that because actually my wife is just in the process of, she's a chiropodist, she's in the process of selling a business. So been aware for the last 15 years of what's going on in that kind of market. Uh, touched earlier, having a regular physio session. So know my physio quite well and how her business works and so on. But I've seen lots and lots of new businesses cropping up in this wellness space because it's trendy. Yeah. Okay. And I'd say, just be careful who you're dealing with. Find somebody you can trust. Find people you can develop long-term relationships with, you can work with and are right for you. Now, there's a lot of noise there. Just be very, very careful that you're getting the right people. Great advice. I completely agree. There's a lot of uh, shady people in this industry. So yeah, just make sure you go to that right at the 1%. Moving on, what issues do you see that men should be thinking about? I think one that is particularly valid these days is burnout. It's, it's very easy to be forced into cramming as much into the week as possible, into the day as possible, and uh, not taking enough time for yourself. I think you've got to be incredibly careful about that. I know I've touched on that project that I've recently finished and came back after doing that and working probably 12-hour days for the best part of three months. Came back in the first two weeks after the end of the project, I did literally nothing because burnout definitely came in. And it was, it was a huge process of, of just getting my brain back in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something you've you've got to be really, really careful about. Just putting enough time aside for yourself. Yeah. And yourself comes first. And if your health isn't there, the wealth or the business is not going to Oh, continue. absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's wrap up 
on some of our signature questions, Kevin. So just short and snappy answers, which you feel really just come to your head like that when I ask you the question. Okay. So okay. the first one is what advice would you give to the young boys who are venturing into manhood? Don't. <laughs> Stay as a child. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> Fair enough. It's harder. It's definitely harder than being a child. Definitely harder. Definitely. Oh, I think we want to grow up too quick, Aiden. Yeah. Yeah. And then regret it when we're there. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Okay. What keeps you awake at night? Uh, I've got a habit of worrying about things I shouldn't worry about. Yeah. I've come to learn that all of the things that you worry about never happen and the things you should have been worried about are always catchy left field. <laughs> so don't worry about them in the first place. Don't minute. worry about them, but it's easier said than done. Massively, yeah. Okay. Let's say we're having another conversation 10 years from now. What mm-hmm. would you have accomplished in that time? Now, that's a good question. So that's a question I ask a lot of coaching clients. I don't, don't go for 10 years. I tend to go for three years or three or five because I think 10 years is far far too far in the future to even think about Mm. and my question would be okay life's great you're sitting in the departure lounge of an airport you've just bumped into somebody that you haven't seen for two or three years and they've just said oh Kevin how are you what's going on now Take a piece of paper and write down all of the things that you'd be telling that person. What is it that's made life great? Nice. Okay, so that's, to that. <laughs> that's a great question. It's actually a great question. I've used it a few times of people thinking, oh, I'm thinking about changing my job. Okay, why? Right. Oh, I'm not really sure, but I'm not really happy where I am now. And this one looks interesting. And uh, they get some woolly stuff coming out. And I say, right, okay, do that exercise. If you're where you want to be in three years' time, what have you written on that sheet of paper? In fact, think about why you're in that airport lounge. Where are you flying to? Are you off to celebrate something? Are you off to speak at a conference? Go to a major event? Are you now the subject matter expert in whatever it is you're doing? No? Think it through. What does that look like? Great, great. I know that's not where I'm going to be in 10 years' time, Aidan, but it's a, it's a different answer to that question. No, it's a, it's a great one, and it's made me think about how I ask it and also what you can get from it. So I'm yeah. happy to reformulate uh, in, in the way you have, actually. So thank you, if anything. Next one is, you're, if you had the power to change one thing in the world, what would it be? Actually, that brings me back to something we talked about in last week's podcast with that guy from Disney. He was talking about listing the the rules around whatever you're in to change, to innovate and create. And he was looking at, well, okay, just ask yourself, suppose one of those rules didn't exist. And he threw an example at us that said, um, actually, look at, you, you remember Blockbuster, the old video store and how you used to go along there and pick the video up and said, okay, let's write down all the rules about Blockbuster. Now you've got to go to the shop. You've got to hope the video you wanted's there. You've got to 
get it back on time. You've got to avoid your late payment charges. You've got to hope that the tape, when you put it in your player at home, was a decent quality, wasn't broken. I'd list all these things down. And he said, well, okay, the guy from Netflix did exactly that. And back in those days, he said, okay, what rule can, what rule can I change? And he said, okay, suppose there wasn't a shop. Ah, that concept back then, well, crazy. But hang on, YouTube already existed doing personal bits and pieces of video clips, streaming personal videos. So he just said, so, okay, there's no show. What if I can stream commercial video rather than private video? Netflix was born. Yeah. What rule would you change? Great question. Great question, Aidan. No, thank you. That was, that was a great answer as well. Because that dynamic, a lot of people use that blockbuster Netflix uh, scenarios, like, you know, the change yeah. in technology and, and ages. So I love it. Um, yeah. Next one, and last uh, couple, Kevin, in a couple of words, if you were about to compose your own epitaph or obituary, what would it say? Well, I'd certainly wouldn't say, I wish I'd bought another Jaguar <laughs> or Mercedes <laughs> or something like that. It would say, yeah. Uh, I would hope we would say had a great impact on the world. I love it. And I'm sure you will. How would you, your life and your impact be described by others at your own funeral? That's a morbid question, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer that one. I'm not thinking about funerals. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the, uh, the most, um, positive things depending on how you look at it mm. but i understand i think um personally it's how you how we look at death also forces us to understand how we look at life but yeah but i understand what you're saying oh I, I know exactly exactly i think that's very true yes awesome yeah. all right yeah. last one is why do you think we exist that is why are we here i think we've all got a purpose I think we've got to find that purpose and get on and do something about it. And we can have a whole other podcast about what's your purpose. I think we can. And we'll leave that one until next time. But that was great. Thank you so much, Kevin. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention? Uh, any projects you're working on? Obviously, please share links to your website, obviously your podcast. Yeah, I think uh, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find the podcast at the, the next100days.org or on LinkedIn or Stitcher. Or you can even say to Alexa, Alexa, play the Next 100 Days podcast. Nice. I've not heard that one before, so I love that closing. So, Kevin, uh, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I really appreciate you sharing your journey, the wisdom and experience with us. Aidan, it's been a pleasure. As always. I'm Aidan Lee, and this is the Fit Roots Podcast. Thank you for helping us on our mission to build modern warriors. <laughs>